Welcome to the pulse that moves the triangle world today. This one-size-fits-all broadcast is a vibrant collection of stories, medical breakthroughs, helpful tips, what's trending, events, and boundless other adventures. It's a conversation pit of comedians, politicians, authors, chefs, sports figures, experts, the common and the uncommon. Here's the host of Triangle 411, Mary Inspreffer. It's a basic human need, putting food on the table. It's not only a need, but a right. Yet, with so many unemployed due to the pandemic, it's not a given. Something we just assume will happen and many take for granted has escaped us. Even worse, the food is there, but much of it is going to waste, again to the impact of the crisis causing difficulties for many producers shifting their supply chains and locating demand. I am sure many of you have seen news clips of the horror of producers dumping milk, smashing eggs, plowing down vegetation because of these issues. However, there were some who could not just look away, including a group of college students. So they created FarmLink. FarmLink is a grassroots movement to prevent food waste while also working to address food insecurity. FarmLink raises money to pay farmers for produce and dairy that would otherwise be wasted and then funds the transportation to send the foods to food banks in the neediest areas. Courtney Bond from FoodLink is here to tell us all about this movement. Welcome, Courtney. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for having me today. Thanks for being here. I understand you just graduated from Stanford, so congratulations on that. Thank you very much. It was definitely um, a different last few months of my, you know, kind of senior spring, but you know, definitely was very lucky to find FarmLink and spend um, my last few months doing something that I was really passionate and excited about. And what exactly is your role at FarmLink? Yes, I am the co-lead of fundraising. So I um, lead the fundraising team with one of my best friends from Stanford, actually. Her name is Mitzi Harris. Um, We both just graduated. That's fantastic. Uh, It's just wonderful to hear young adults doing things like this. Um, Sometimes you all get a bad rap and it's just not true. I'm here to say it's just (laughs) not true. And you guys are proving it. And I'm glad you're in the um, fundraising end because we're going to talk about that at the end of the show. But let's start with the beginning. You know, tell me a little bit about how FarmLink came to be. Yes. So FarmLink was founded um, in mid-April when um, all of us college students were kind of kicked off campus, going home and wondering how can we help out um, with everything going on due to COVID. And we, two two students, the two students who founded FarmLink kept on reading a bunch of news articles about how there was so, so many disruptions in the supply chain that farmers were, had to dump a bunch of excess produce, but then you'd go to your local food bank and see lines around the block. So there was this huge disconnect. Um, the two students then decided to cold call a bunch of farms and see, hey, is there any way we could obtain some of this produce to give it to those food banks in need? On the 151st call, so they went through 150 calls and were unsuccessful in those first few, um, a farmer said yes. 
uh, our team members rented a truck, picked up the produce, and delivered it to the local food bank, and realized this could be scaled and brought um, to the entire nation. So that was the proof of concept. They then got some friends to join. And fast forward to today, when there's over 200 college student volunteers working on FarmLink, um, to date, we've transported over 9 million pounds of produce from farm to food bank. That's just great. Uh, what were the names of the the students that were first involved in creating this? Yes. Uh, James Knopf, who is a rising junior at Stanford, and Aiden Riley, who is a rising senior at Brown. Okay. And you said something here. I, I was not aware of this. Um, the hunt, they called 150 farms first. That would have, you know, that would have uh, <laughs> put a lot of people out of it. it I, a lot of people, I think, would have just like, oh, well, this isn't good, a good idea, but it's not going to work and gave up. That's a lot of determination there. Definitely. I think that's something that um, has kind of worked to our team's advantage is that none of us have had, or not many of us have had much experience, both in the nonprofit space, but also um, kind of in the food insecurity hunger space. So we don't want to take no for an answer, right? Reading all these articles, seeing it, we knew it was, we knew food waste and food insecurity was a problem. So we just knew we had to do something about it. And I think, especially with all the extra time on our hands, since um, James and Aiden were at home trying to find a way to solve this, they did not want to hear no. So, you know, so happy that they continued to call and mm-hmm. finally got that answer. Um, but thankfully, our track record has been a little more successful with calling farmers um, since since that first call we did. Well, I'm glad that they continued and they had determination because the result has been the accomplishment of delivering over 6 million meals. Volunteers delivered potatoes, eggs, milk, onions, lettuce, zucchini, cucumber, celery, carrots, and sweet potatoes to communities in 30 states, including Hawaii. Now, the group works with students, food finders, Uber Freight, and Coyote Logistics. So let's break that down operational-wise. Let's start with students. Now, you said you had 200 students involved, but how much is actually boots on the ground? And and by that, I mean, are there students actually going to farms and picking crops and, you know, harvesting, hauling, all of it? Or is it just a logistical machine? Yes, we, we more like to say we're part of more of the latter, so the logistical machine. Um, a lot of times these farmers have the produce kind of already packed up, already ready to go. And so a lot of our work is just kind of connecting those farmers to the food banks. We do, though, try to get um, our volunteers at every delivery. And if not, if it's not our internal team, um, we actually have a volunteer network and a Facebook community page that now has over a thousand members where we're trying to mobilize communities in those locations of the farms and food banks to help out with deliveries. So we had our first successful um, kind of volunteer delivery last week where one of our volunteers who isn't part of the FarmLink, you know, student volunteer um, internal team drove over two hours to bring some, I believe it was kale from a farm to a food bank. So it was really cool to see the local community helping out as well. That's so great. So tell us a little bit about food finders. What's their role in all this? Food Finders is our fiscal sponsor. And so when we started in mid-April, you you know, we wanted to make sure that we any donation to us was tax deductible, but also wanted to make sure that we were kind of doing everything the right way. And so we were very, very lucky 
to meet food, you know, to be introduced to food finders and have them offer um, to be our fiscal sponsor. And so right now, food finders kind of handles a lot of our finances and helps us out um, as our fiscal sponsor. Um, we have applied for our own 501c3, but I'm sure as all of you know, that takes a lot of time. So um, in the meantime, we are fiscally sponsored by food finders. Again, that determination, you know, again, a lot of people would have just waited for the whole 501c3 thing to come through and, you know, time and time would pass before you could actually show any results in action. So again, I applaud the group for getting right at it. There's always so much red tape, you (laughs) you know, and, and kudos, kudos to all of you, because again, that would be a deterrent for a lot of people. So that was smart thinking. Now, you've also partnered with Uber Freight and Coyote Logistics? Yes, that's correct. And what do they do with for you? How, how do they help? So they both are help us to bring the food from Farm to Food Bank. Um, Uber has been um, an incredible partner to us and has actually donated um, the kind of transportation aspect of things. And so um, we kind of set up, when we contact the farms, the food's ready to go, and we will then work with Uber and Uber Freight to then be able to transport that food from farm to food bank. So they've been incredibly helpful to us in being able to have a very um, reliable partner for moving that, for transporting and moving that food. It's nice to hear that they do it, um, at least in some cases, free of charge. Yes, we're very, very lucky to have them as partners. Um, It is definitely something that I think was a trial run a few months ago, but I think they're starting to see the success of FarmLink and realize they want to be um, longer-term partners with us, so we've been very lucky to have Uber Freight on board with us. That's good. Um, because again, going back to all the fundraising, if you had to, and I'm sure you do have to on some level, raise funds for paying for transportation, but every little bit helps whoever donates where they can reduction in prices for the the produce here and there is what gets everybody over the finish line. Most definitely something that um, due to this partnership with Uber Freight, we and another unique thing is that right now we're all volunteers, so there's really no overhead. You know, no one's getting paid a salary, no one's getting money for any kind of internship or anything like that. So, with our partnership with Uber Freight, for every dollar that's given to us, 95 cents has gone to food, two cents has gone to transportation, and three cents have gone to you know various equipment fees like hosting our website um, and stuff like that. But if we weren't to have this partnership with Uber Freight, about 74 cents would go to food, 23 cents would have gone to transportation, and 3 cents would have gone to that equipment fee miscellaneous. So it's been really nice, as you were saying exactly there, that um, instead of the money going to transportation, we've been able to use it to you know, purchase more food and provide that economic relief to farmers um, to make sure that we're just delivering more pounds from farm to food bank. Wonderful. I'm glad you gave us that breakdown. Um, some Another breakdown I'd like to talk about a little bit is you have a great business model as far as your volunteer divisions. I saw you had a farm team, a logistics team, a food banks team. Can you tell us how that mm-hmm. all works? Yes, we have we have a lot of teams. Um, since I remember right when I joined, there were all these teams, and I was so confused. I was like, how does, how does this work with this work with this? But thankfully, um, after being with the organization for a few months, I 
completely understand how it works. So it kind of all starts with our farm team, um, which basically through a multitude of ways will, just as James and Aiden were doing back in mid-April, they cold call farmers. Um, cold call farmers, a lot of farmers have Facebook pages, websites, and just general landlines. So we call and um, if they don't answer, leave a message, try to follow up over email. But a lot of times these farmers will say, a lot of them ask us, are you real? Are you, cause they, you know, they don't trust us. They're, and so that's definitely been an interesting conversation to have mm. to navigate. But thankfully, as time has gone on, we have been able to show them that, yes, look, look at what we've done. We promise, like, we are in this for the long run. We're in this um, to help support you. But a lot of farmers will also tell us, you know, it's mid-July, but I may not have surplus until mid-September. So it's more of, hey, can you call me back in a few months? So with this, and since we've been around for a few months now, we're able to kind of have this great database of farmers. Then we can go back and contact when they did tell us they had surplus produce. So when we find out from a farmer that they have surplus produce, and usually they sometimes need to get rid of it within a week or two, we then contact basically our food insecurity team, or FIT team for short, that kind of has a network of food banks all across the country in various food insecure areas. And then they will connect with those food banks and ask them, hey, you know, do you think you could take a shipment of apples this week or a shipment of potatoes or a shipment of onions? Then once they have confirmed they need that, we bring in our deals team to execute the deal. The deals team will execute the deal by, you know, making sure that we talk to the farmer about the exact time the trucker will pick it up and then also the food bank to make sure that they're delivering it on time. Of course, there's lots of potential room for problems here, but that is just kind of the general skeleton of how a delivery will work. I was going to ask you, what do you feel is the biggest challenge in all this? I would say the biggest challenge is just managing all lines of communication. We, Because everyone's remote, which is great, um, it's hard to be able to make sure that Kind of everyone is on board, but also on the same page about these various kind of parts of the process. So, you know, thankfully, a lot of our deliveries have become very successful, but each one is very, very different based on the location, based on what type of produce it is. We've done a lot of deliveries of milk, and that's very different because those have to be in refrigerated trucks. Very different than um, having to transport food that doesn't need to be refrigerated. So, I think one of our strengths, as we were talking about a little bit earlier, is just how flexible and how um, determined we are to make sure these deals get done. But at the same time, it's definitely a lot of to make sure that kind of all lines of communication are um, very clear and open at all times. Well, you know, there are so many ways folks can get involved. I loved the story of Chloe from Washington. Once the 10-year-old heard about FarmLink, she decided to donate her earnings from her farm stand to the organization. And FarmLink was able to provide over 8,000 meals to individuals and families in need, all made possible by the work of one 10-year-old girl. So there you go that, you know, can one person make a difference? Heck yeah, they can. Do you have any other kind of stories like that you might share with our listeners? I thought that was so cool. Yeah, um, I can kind of repeat the story that I had shared that happened last week where we have, and I encourage everyone listening to this to join our um, Facebook community group. I believe it's called FarmLink Project Community. It's a private group 
um, you can request to join and put in, you know, answer a few questions and then you will be accepted into our group. Um, but every day or so, we post various volunteer opportunities where there may be a small shipment of food that needs to be transported from farm to food bank or the food bank may need some extra, uh, may need some extra helpers to um, help, you know, distribute, organize, um, manage the produce that's being brought to the food bank from FarmLink. And we would absolutely love for volunteers to help us with that. Um, our first kind of successful one was last week where someone helped drive two hours to bring kale from a farm to a food bank. But it was so cool to just be able to see our community mobilize um, and get so excited about helping us out. So there's lots of ways to do that. Another way community the community can help out is by starting your own peer-to-peer fundraiser and posting about FarmLink and why you're interested in FarmLink and why you're so excited about it and sharing that with your friends, whether that means your friends are just, you know, following our social media, joining our various kind of community pages or donating money. You know, every little bit helps and we are so grateful for everyone who has um, joined our, as we like to say, our FarmLink family. Tell me a little bit more about that peer-to-peer fundraiser or give people an idea what you mean by that, because it's really not that complicated of a thing. And like we talked about, Chloe, every little bit helps. Definitely. So a peer-to-peer fundraiser is just a page that you can set up on our donation website where you, it's basically where you then can raise money for your own cause, if that makes sense. So um, for example, if I were to start my own peer-to-peer fundraiser, I could contact, you know, 10 friends and a bunch of members of my family and send them that specific donation link and say, hey, my peer-to-peer fundraiser goal is $1,000. Can you help me get here? And by sending that to my friends and family, they then can donate to my specific page and help me get to my goal of $1,000. And so these peer-to-peer fundraisers are things that you can share with, as I was saying earlier, your community, your family, your friends, your colleagues, your mentors peers, and um, all proceeds go straight to FarmLink, but it's a cool way for you to set smaller goals and see how much you have raised from your own community. So what will FarmLink be doing during the winter months when there's no harvesting? Can you keep the momentum going? Most definitely, yes. We we most definitely will keep our momentum going. Um, Something that I've learned throughout this process is even though farmers may be harvesting a lot in the fall. That doesn't mean there's still surplus produce in the winter. A lot of times certain produce has shelf life, so anywhere from, you know, a few weeks to 18 months. And so there's times when produce may be expiring in the winter or when farmers may just want to offload some produce. So even though winter may not be the prime harvesting time, we most definitely think that there will be lots of produce for us to still be able to rescue and bring um, to hungry Americans in the U.S. Wonderful. Uh, Courtney, this has been so informative, and I, again, applaud the group for doing this. Can you please tell our listeners one more time where they should go if they want more information about anything, whether they want to do some fundraising, whether they want to volunteer, whether they want to just donate some money, where should they go? Of course. Um, You should go to our website. It is the farmlinkproject.org. On our website, you can then click our Get Involved tab, and there's lots of information, um, whether you want to donate, help volunteer, start your own peer-to-peer fundraiser. Um, As I mentioned, every little bit helps, and we're so grateful 
um, to have you be interested in um, helping out our work. And farmers and distributors, et cetera, can go there too if they want to, even corporate sponsors. If, if you're interested, check out that website because there's plenty of opportunity to make a difference like these students have done. Courtney, thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I had a great time. Here locally in North Carolina, FarmLink has arranged for over 225,000 pounds of food distribution, including some to the Food Bank of Central and Eastern North Carolina. The FarmLink project assisted with a delivery of 2,500 pounds of kale, peaches, cucumbers, and onions to its Durham branch and 40,000 pounds of potatoes to its Raleigh branch. The food bank is also scheduled to receive six pallets of potatoes from Pamlico Shores Produce, located in Swan Quarter, North Carolina. Co-owner Hunter Gibbs is here from Pamlico, and I just wanted to get your thoughts, Hunter, on the importance of FarmLink during this pandemic. Hey, man, how are you doing today? I'm, I'm doing well. Um, yeah, everything worked really well. Um, we had some excess product on some um, potatoes that we grew and, and uh, had reached out to FarmLink to, to help move them and um, said they were going to, uh, to different places with this particular um Pallets are going to the to the food bank there in Eastern North Carolina. Um, it's been it's been uh, communication has been real good to work with uh, via phone calls or via email. Uh, as though my sometimes my phone runs dead and, and uh, <laughs> has to charge up, uh, but other than that, everything's been been good. So, do you think working with teams focused on food insecurity, such as FarmLink, both now during COVID and on a regular basis, offers hope to a solution to this problem of food insecurity, et cetera? Um, you know, when a farmer or, or a packing house has excess product, you know, the last thing that we want to do is throw it away. Um, and it's, yeah, and, and that's on anything. I mean, we'll, people will have uh, product that doesn't meet the U.S. number one standard, um, but fruit is perfectly good. Um, you know, if you cut off a, for example, on a potato, if you cut off a, you, know, you might have a, a pencil thin or a pencil point uh, decay, uh, which, you know, over time will turn bad and the whole potato get bad. But if you can get it out quick enough, you can cut that piece off and still you have three quarters of the potato that's uh, good and, and can eat. Um, same thing with excess product. You know, if we have excess product, you know, the last thing we'll do is plow it up or throw it away. So we are, um, you know, it's always a good thing for us to, to, to help out and do our part and, and you know, help people who, you know, need food. And, you know, especially in, in Eastern North Carolina, there's a lot of rural areas that you'd have to drive an hour or so to get to a grocery store. Um, so a lot of the food banks, like Food Bank of Albemarle, have, uh, uh, deliveries where they come out to uh, a school parking lot and, and kind of distribute out food, um, which works real well. And I understand that Pamlico Shores has been donating for a long time now. Yes, ma'am. We've been donating uh, to the college, me, to the um, food bank at Abmall for 12 years. And we've actually done some probably about 20 years ago, a little bit to the eastern uh, food bank there in Raleigh. Um, we were at, we were at a, another location. Uh, so yeah, we've been, we've been donating to the, the food banks here in Eastern North Carolina for quite a while. Well, I think people like you, Hunter, and all the other farmers that are active in this will be a solution to this problem. 
yeah, we you know, we try to do do what we can and what we can help, and you know we we understand that you know the you know from different aspects of you know the importance of food and of getting it to the, the right people, and uh, you know and of course the distributions of uh, of that food is is the main thing, and that's you know if it's here and 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 food link and the food banks are a channel to uh, to you know, distribute it and get it to the right hands that are, and also not just the right hands, but also in the right packaging. Uh, cause you know, you, you have an elderly person that can lift five pounds, but they can't lift 50. Uh, so you know, you just make sure they can, you can handle what they can, you know, use. Well, thank you so much for your efforts and thanks for being with us today. You know, I appreciate it. Another FarmLink distribution to the food bank was through the James E. Farabee Farm. Martha Farabee, co-owner of the John E. Farabee Farm, an eighth-generation family farm in Camden, North Carolina, is here to talk a bit about her experience with FarmLink. Welcome, Martha. Thank you, Mary. So I understand you worked through FarmLink to distribute 40,000 pounds of potatoes to the Food Bank of Central and Eastern North Carolina in Raleigh, which was then distributed to 900 agencies, including food pantries, after-school programs, and soup kitchens in rural and urban areas across the state. What an accomplishment. Tell us a little bit about your experience with FarmLink. Like, how did that all work? How did they coordinate with you? Well, we found out about FarmLink through a phone call. Uh, one of the employees of FarmLink contacted us and asked us if we ever had any surplus potatoes, which sometimes we do, and he proceeded to tell us how the program worked and that they generally paid 10 cents a pound, but they took care of the freight, and that it was all done on donations. Okay, so then um, so then you decided to coordinate with them. Now, did they come out and take care of everything, or did you still have to... Um, you know, get the potatoes, process the potatoes, and so forth. Tell us a little bit about your end of things compared to theirs. Well, the potatoes were already packaged and put into 50-pound bags when we contacted them. Uh, everything now is, with the getting the potatoes to the shed is mechanized, and there's really no hand labor involved in it. So uh, they weren't able to harvest it themselves. We harvested it, and then we ran it across the grader and put it in bags. And everything is palletized now, so we just loaded the truck up. But the employees of FarmLink took care of finding a home for the potatoes and also finding a truck and working out the details and arrangements with the truck for the freight. Got you. Tell us a little bit more, just it's a little bit of a side note, but a little bit more of the process, because I know um, you mentioned some NC State students were involved, but it's not like the old days where people come and pick the potatoes and clean the potatoes and bag the potatoes. Give us a little insight on how that works on a farm in modern times. Well, no, nobody goes to the field and actually picks up potatoes like they used to. Uh, a machine goes through, pulled by a tractor, it's called a harvester or a digger, and it puts the potatoes in a 10-wheeler truck that then comes, brings the potatoes to the grader. And the the potatoes are unloaded with a motor on the back end, a hydraulic motor, and they run across the grader, which is where we have um, employees picking out things that need to be picked out, and then we bag them. They're palletized and then put in the cooler. We have a cooler facility where 
we like to keep potatoes at least overnight to help get the field heat out of them, and then we're ready to ship them out the next day. That's that's quite interesting. Um, I grew up on a farm, and of course, we never had the magnitude of crops that that you're talking about with with these machines and such. But I went and picked the tomatoes and picked the corn and all of that, and uh, it was a small farm, of course, but. Um, yeah, things are way different today, but I am glad to see all these students getting involved. Um, you know, that's the whole concept of Farm Link. They had seen a lot of food going to waste because there was just no means to distribute. And then they took this project on, which is just wonderful. So they actually arranged like, so you had it already there. And then what happened? Well, they called and made arrangements for the truck, and uh, and unfortunately, it happened to fall around the 4th of July weekend. Uh, they had difficulty in finding a truck, so we didn't get it picked up quite as soon as we had hoped it would be. But um, after the 4th of July, I believe it was picked up on Tuesday, but after they made all the arrangements, they kept us informed whether they could or couldn't find a truck, and when they did, when to expect a truck, and then they followed up on it as well to make sure that the truck picked up. So I think it was a great learning experience for the students. Um, they might not have actually done the physical work, but they probably understand the whole process a lot better than they did before they started. And that that's great all around. You know, the the um, even coordinating where does it go? Um, and this particular donation went to the Food Bank of Central and Eastern North Carolina. So that's great. But they also help out a little bit, what I understand, in that um, providing a bit of employment, especially when so many people are unemployed, because they pay you a, a small fee, at least, to um, to do this and then p- take care of the freight and distribution and all of that. So that certainly helps, too. Yes, it does. But for what they told us, they depend on donations to uh, pay the freight for delivering the potatoes, and then the farmer gets a little bit to help offset some of his expenses. So again, like you mentioned, all the way around, a great learning opportunity for students because it's like distribution, it's organization, it's fundraising, it's you know a lot of skill sets and things that are giving back to the world. Um, you know, is the name of the game here. But, you know, for you, Martha, and, and your farm, you do this all the time. I know this particular donation was through FarmLink, but but you have done this for years. Tell us a little bit about what you've done on your own. We, we've worked uh, a lot with our local food bank, which is Food Bank Up. They have a mall, and they'll come pick up four or five pallets you know, whenever we need them to come pick them up, and sometimes they'll make multiple trips in a day. And uh, we've worked with several other operations that do the same thing, like Operation Blessing and Feed the Children. And we've done it for years, and sometimes, you know, sometimes the market just won't take what you have, and it's better to help somebody else out than, than to just discard it and let it go to waste. So we, we have done it for many years, and... Um, we're just glad that somebody benefits from it. And I guess that's where the whole farm link kind of started with the students seeing a lot of farmers not, um, you know, doing what you did, you know, and it was going to waste. And um, so they saw a need and, and filled it. And it's just great and truly appreciate what you've done all along. Um, 
So I think you even told me sometimes you, you donate 50,000 pounds of potatoes. Yeah, it, it all depends upon the kind of year we have and how the markets are. And, and over time, we've also learned they'll, they'll take other things beside potatoes. If we have bags that we can't use anymore or boxes we can't use anymore, they'll take those and either use themselves to package up food to put in it or they'll trade another food bank so they can get something that they need and, and share the product. So it's um, the food banks do a real good job of working with what you give them and trading or keeping it for themselves. So it's it's a good deal all the way around. Right. And it sounds like Farabee Farm has had their own farm link for quite a while now. <laughs> so well, we, were, we were taught by our parents that, you know, to, to help out when you can. That's great. Well, bless you for doing that, and thanks for being with us. You're certainly welcome. Thank you, Mary. Time for our nonprofit spotlight. I know we have featured this organization before, but given the circumstance um, with people lined up forever and lines for food during this COVID period and our subject matter today, I thought it might be good to revisit the Food Bank of Central and Eastern North Carolina. Because before COVID-19 in Central and Eastern North Carolina, about 548,000 individuals, families, and seniors were facing hunger. This includes approximately 170,000 children and teens, not always knowing when their next meal would be. Unfortunately, and of course unsurprisingly, A new study from Feeding America called The Impact of Coronavirus on Food Insecurity projects this number is likely to grow by 38%, including 49% for children and teens. That means approximately one in five people may face hunger in 2020, including one in three children. There is an urgent need for people in the bank's 34 counties. However, even with 38% increase in need and food supply chain challenges, unlike any before seen in the food bank's 40-year history, they have been able to distribute a record amount of food to the community. So that's great news. In fact, in the last fiscal year, which includes four months of the crisis response, the food bank distributed nearly 92 million pounds of food. This equates to more than 75 million meals. Here's how you can help. Donate funds. Start a virtual food drive. Use your voice. Research the policies that impact hunger and speak out. Donate time and volunteer. For more information, go to foodbankcenc.org. That's foodbank, C like central, E like eastern, N like north, C like carolina.org. Well, it's time to high five and say goodbye. We're everywhere, including Pandora now. You can also catch us on iTunes, Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, etc., or simply go to our website, triangle411.buzzsprout.com. I'm Mary Innsbrucker for Triangle 411. Today, dot, 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 donate some cans of food.